Hey guys, welcome back to Story Lab. In this first episode, uh, we're going to hear Thomas speak to Becky Orpin. So Becky has been described as Melbourne's creative doyen, um, also a national treasure. She's a multiverse creative practitioner, um, her work spanning across design, illustration, and craft, um, and it's been exhibited both nationally and internationally. She was gracious enough to host both Thomas and I in her Brunswick home um, a couple of months ago and just sit down and have a chat about her career trajectory and yeah, things that have helped her make it to where she is now. Um, so yeah, I'll leave it with Thomas and enjoy. Yeah, for, for people who might not have come across your work, can you describe it? Um, I got my friend to like write me a bio like ages ago because I never knew how to describe it. So I just like recite that always, which is a bit um, that it's colourful, it's bold, it's feminine without being too girly. It's a little bit nostalgic. Um, it's quite graphic in a bold way, not in a, you know, <laughs> overly sexual way or anything like and that. And is it mostly illustration or like what is what are, what are you oh, yeah I actually making? find it hard to describe what I do now I say I say I run a design studio um, but my job is really varied now but I'd say the majority of my commercial work is illustration yeah but then I do do a lot of you know I do creative direction or I do you know DIY projects or you know I do directed a short film for a collab that I've done like earlier this year where I also made all props for it I've designed sets I've you know it's so if you say creative director you just sound like a loser so <laughs> I don't use that term because people are like what is that but that is essentially what I do yeah. with a big lean towards illustration how did you get into what you do um I guess I I always knew that I wanted to draw I grew up in quite a um unconventional way like my parents split up and I moved into a commune with my mum so I guess I always had this kind of um, alternative upbringing and as part of that I was not really allowed to watch TV or anything like that so I was always encouraged to play outside or draw or do anything like that so I kind of developed a very early love of drawing and I knew that I always wanted to draw for a living but I didn't know how that was going to come about. And then I found textile design at RMIT. So then I did that. And that was a really, really good course for me um, because it had a really strong drawing component, but I was still interested in making stuff. And so in that course, you learned to weave and you learned to knit and you learned to screen print. You also learnt design skills and practical application of drawing. So I think one of the reasons I was attracted to draw like illustration based art in year 12 is because I liked a practical application um, you know which was then like putting illustrations in books like I didn't find art I appreciated it but I didn't think that was for me it was too cerebral for me um, so that's what this also did was kind of took drawing and gave it a practical application which was surface design yeah right well I mean there's heaps of interesting things to pick up there <laughs> Um, but like, how did you first convince people to give you money in exchange for creative work? So when I did textile design, I loved, I really, really loved that course and I really dedicated myself to that. And I guess I made a lot of contacts within that course. So I did 
like extra work, like extra work experience. I won a lot of industry prizes. Um, so I had established some contacts. And when I left, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I knew I didn't really probably want to take a traditional route of textile design, which is to go and work in a studio or, you know. But then I got offered my first job, literally like the day after my graduate show, like freelance job. And that was for um, Factory X, which is a big company that now owns Gorman, it owns Dangerfield, it owns a bunch of different labels. So one of my friends got a job there designing a label and she fired her graphic designer. So that's how I got my first freelance job. Yeah, and, and did you also like have a, a bit of a, your own kind of journey with um, developing your voice and like putting your, I guess, like your unique story and, and style? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely, you know, my peers all had like similar interests to me. Um, but I think, I don't think my aesthetic has changed much since I was like four years old, to be honest. Like my always sight, my major influences is like Dick Bruno, who wrote, Mif you know, all the Miffy books and stuff. Like that's still my favorite aesthetic. So people are like, oh, how did you find your aesthetic? And I'm like, I don't, I don't ever remember like struggling to find an aesthetic. It was really strong in me. So, but definitely, yeah. And I feel like I was quite different, even though a lot of, but I think finding the thing that was, again, it comes back to that niche, like what, you know, Misha and Shauna were doing versus what I was doing, even though I was similar, like I had to, yeah, find my own part that was like, okay, I, these labels are appropriate for me to work for and that's different to you guys and, and, and being comfortable with that too. My aesthetic is different to yours and my clients are going to be different to yours and just being comfortable with that and accepting that, which still takes a long time. What, what other steps can you now sort of see as being like, oh, that was really big, that opened me up to a new world yes. or like? There was a few, you know, I did my first sort of overseas trip, it would have been like 2000 or 2001. And I went with my boyfriend at the time, I'd been overseas before, this was like this, you know, that eight week trip where you go to Europe and you go da da da. And literally the night before I was like, oh, I should take some work. So I just made up these little, I don't know, little packets of work. And I kind of, we went to a, he was a, he was sort of involved in the skateboarding scene. And so we went, there was this big um, trade fair in San Diego. And we went there, which was like called ASR, which was like action sports retailers. So it was a big skate kind of thing. He, knew, he had friends there. So we went there and then I met some people there and I gave them some of my work. And then we went to New York and I would, you know, it's it's really it's kind of hard to explain in, in today today's terms because the internet didn't exist. <laughs> anyway, so there was labels that I was obsessed with, and so I dropped my work to their shops, like in New York and around, and that actually led to me getting some work. <laughs> so then this weird thing happened where, like, I guess the thing that had happened locally started to happen slowly overseas. And Australia's got that tall poppy thing, like once you're successful overseas, then that everybody wants to give you more work here. So that definitely created something. So was that just a matter of like, I mean, if, if you kind of break that out into a, into a step that's sort of applicable to anyone, it's, you thought about who do you want to get in front of? Who do you, who do you want your work to get in front yes. of? Like what feels like I, a natural fit? And yeah, you... yeah, I did, but it wasn't ever like, you know, it was always last minute. It was always part of a social aspect. It was all about friendship groups. Like the friendship groups were just tiny. Like it's just like worldwide, it was really small. I, we were actually in, this was with 
my now husband. We were in, in LA when September 11 happened and we were meant to fly to New York on September 12. So we got trapped in LA for two weeks and all of our friends from New York were also trapped. So I went out and that was the girls that I was working for and did the rookie skateboards. And so we went to a bar with them, with all their friends from New York who were all like devastated because they couldn't get home. And then, you know, the marketing manager of X-Large was there. <laughs> and that's how I met him. And that's how I started doing the work for him. So it wasn't like, I'm going to work for them. It was like, oh, you should meet him. You know, like, oh, he's, he's here. And he's still one of our, you know, we went to his wedding. And, you know, he's, he ended up being a great friend. So it wasn't like, oh, that's who I'm, there was part of that, but I never imagined that I'm gonna put this under the door and I'm gonna end up working for them. I never thought I was good enough for that to happen. So it was a bit of guts, but I would have, I would have never cold called anyone like being like, I'm gonna come into the offices and show you my folio. I would slide something under a door, but never would I be like, I'm coming to show you this. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I was just like kind of incidental, like I might as well try and do this. Yeah. I was way too scared yeah, to, well, to do anything like that. Just showing your work anyway, like let alone. Totally, totally. Do you think much about your online presence? Oh, I try not to, yet. I, I hate it. To what degree do you uh, feel like you uh, have to? I really, I, no, that's wrong. I have a love, hate, relationship with Instagram. I'd say Instagram solely because that's my main platform. Um, and it's been really good for me, um, really good for my career, absolutely, and will not ever. But I think there's far too much emphasis on it now. I think it is really important, but it shouldn't be your main focus. Use it as a tool. Don't use it as like, don't be like, oh, how's this going to look for Instagram? And I find myself thinking that and I'm just going to be like, stop thinking that it's nothing to do with why you're doing this yeah. but it is hard because now I get jobs that are specifically I'm working on two jobs at the moment which are for quite big clients that are specifically for Instagram so it has become an important part of my work and if that platform didn't exist then you know a part of the reason I do get jobs is because I do have a following um, but I don't like that I wish it didn't exist have you like got almost like rules that you've put in place of like oh, I'll post once a week no. you know, be... no. so, so how do you how do you interact with it um too much I'm definitely still obsessed with it um definitely if I put up personal photos of those followers which is a wild thing I don't care about it yeah yeah I try not to but it's such it's become such an integral part but I think that'll change I don't think that'll be forever I think it'll be, you know, it's become such a commodity that I think it'll fall, fall back on itself. Have you, like, what are the quick, like, sort of, okay, so personal photos? Yeah. You lose followers. Like, yeah. Are there other, like, just little funny observations that you've... Um, if I, anything that I hand make gets, is really, people get heaps of comments, gets lots of likes, anything like that. Um, if I am promoting something I believe in, generally that gets lots of support or positive comments or sometimes occasionally negative comments. It is interesting and quite strange that whole idea of you being a brand or a person. Yeah, oh my god, I hate it, but yeah, people it, say that to me all the time. Do you yeah. catch yourself ever thinking about like... Yeah, is this what I would do or is that what Instagram should, would I, you know, like yeah. that difference? I kind of like that difference to be honest because like if you're all out there, like what have I just got for me? <laughs> like I'm never like, I'm never like, um, what am I trying to say? Like I would never put something on there that I didn't believe in, but I'm never going to put my whole self on there. Like that's not 
what's that? That's not very good. So um, I do, it does come across my mind, that brand versus me, but I'm still trying to have a completely genuine voice. Like I'm still doing stuff, you know, I did something for Google. I'm doing stuff for Officeworks at the moment, which a lot of people would be like, oh, why would you do that? And I'm like, because they're cool. <laughs> and because they're accessible, it makes things really accessible for people. So I'm not 100% like, I'm never gonna work for the man because I will work for the man. If they pay me well enough, I will 100% work for the man, <laughs> yeah, you know? And I will, the only way that I've been able to succeed is for doing that and I'm so happy to do that. I love working for big brands. I love the commercial aspect of my job and I will never underestimate it. How do you, in such a social media obsessed yeah. culture? Switch off. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> so we're all doomed? <laughs> it's really bad and I think last year made, made it worse. And the hard thing is that I have to go back to my Instagram for work all the time. Like a few times a day I have to be like, oh, there was that thing I saw and I saved it. And then you're 20 minutes in the hole. Like, it's just, it's really hard. Um, my husband's much better at, like, rules and regulations. Like, he'll be like, phone down nine o'clock, I'll go upstairs, I read, don't look at it. I'm not like that. I look at my phone as soon as I wake up. I... Yeah. yeah. I definitely, there's definitely times when I'm like, okay, I'm going to put it down and I'm not going to pick it up, try not to pick it up for two hours. Yeah, and then you'll notice that it's actually in your hand. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, switching off from social media, I'm not very good at it. If you weren't, um, if you weren't using social media mm. and you're like a visual artist mm. or, you know, you were just trying to get you're trying to build your presence mm. like so you know so you can achieve whatever you're trying to achieve in, mm. your, in your sort of artistic career mm. um how would you go about it yeah that's I, I mean you'd have to do something that's quite different i think people would absolutely respond to you know going back to what i was doing at the beginning of my career which is actually printing out a whole lot of things and sending it to people hardly people hardly ever get physical things in the mail and if i get them now i'm so stoked you know like i'm like thank you so much for taking the time to send me these stickers or this cute thing you've made that would be a really powerful thing i would never underestimate that like if you were starting out now and you wanted to get the attention of like the design files or yeah, something like that. Yeah, totally, absolutely, design files. I mean, I know Lucy and she's like, I need well shot photos, I need, she has a list of things that she needs to be featured. But yes, you would send her an act a physical thing. You may not get a response, but you'd send it not just to Lucy, you'd send it to like a bunch of people, you know, and that going, having those extra layers of detail and that extra effort is huge now, I think sort of bring it, bring it back to like someone starting out now yes. and how they might try to navigate. I, I definitely always say for someone starting out, like, you know, just be involved in stuff. Like, be, it's really important to be involved in things. Like, whether whatever you're interested in. For me, I volunteered at galleries. You know, I had all those crazy jobs. Um, I think the more stuff you can show up to and connect with people who are interested in those things, yes, it gives you ideas and inspiration, but then you meet like-minded people and that's so huge, you know. So definitely just, just be involved in stuff. Like, I feel like it's really, that's such a, a big thing. And also, you know, going back to what you were talking, we were talking about before, is like, you have to run your own race too. Like, don't, um, they're the two things that I said you people who are starting out you have to run your own race and don't compare yourself to your peers and just involve yourself in what you're doing and be happy for them but don't yeah don't compare yourself to it because it's death <laughs>
This episode was made possible thanks to the support of Creative Victoria and the Fairley Foundation.